Well, last week, um, if you were here, we, we, we were going through, uh, again, the stuck in the moment, just being all about, and if you guys have noticed the clocks, they're all stuck on the 11th hour. I thought that was pretty cool, you know. The, what is it, would they call that the witching hour? I don't know. It's the, the time where, you know, it's like, oh man, something's got to happen. And, uh, you know, that's what I love about the, the God's Word. I just love the, the Bible, and especially the book of Philippians, which has really just hit that home, that whole idea of, of the problems that we face and the people that can stand against us or the people problems that we also have. And um, so last week we looked at this idea of selfishness and I heard some really good things from you guys. Um, and, and, you know, I might be the pastor that stands up here and gives a message, but can I just say I struggle with these things. These, these are not things that I just, I, I can come up here and say, now I've done this and I've completed this and so now follow my example and be just like me, perfect. No, I can't do that. But I'm in good company. Because Paul does the same exact thing. And that's awesome to know that we, uh, that, that God used imperfect people. Amen? God used people just like you and me. In fact, sometimes I read about people in the Bible and I'm like, man, I'm better than that guy. It's amazing what God does through broken people. And when we come to Him with our hands open, saying, it's all about you, holy, 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 we can be free. We can be out of that moment that can stick us. And so what I'd love to uh, uh, look at today is, is another aspect that, can, that we can get stuck in. But I just want to emphasize that the heart of Christianity, it's like that last song we sang, it's all about Jesus. That's the heart of Christianity. The heart of Christianity is Jesus. It's not me. It's not you. It's not us. Now, God loves us. I mean, the fact that he can call each and every one of us, that, that amazes me. Because what that says is you're, you're worth it to God. And, and nothing is more appropriate today in this day and age when people are looking, are, am I worth it? Because we, we, don't we take our worth and stack it against everything else? I mean, when it comes down to the end of the day, it's what did I do? How much do I have? Who likes me? Who's hanging out with me? I mean, whatever you want to put it, we're always trying to figure out our worth. But Jesus from the beginning of time, said you're worth it. He knit us together in our, in, our, in our mother's womb. He knows how many hairs are on our head. I mean, when you start looking at the truths behind that, it's amazing. But that being said, he calls us to something even more than ourselves. And I don't know if you're like me, but maybe you're glad of that. <laughs> because if you've lived longer than a couple of days, you know, man, you can come to the end of yourself and be like, is there anything else to this life? <laughs> And, and it's awesome to see that with what God has done. And it, 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 by the way, that's hard to imagine today because even in church, we try to make it all about us. Don't we? We try to make it about us. I mean, we live in such a self-based world. It focuses so much on my needs or what I want that we forget the basic call of Christianity, which is to love God. What does God want? And then what does the other want? Loving others. How much more awesome would this world be if when you walked outside, people cared more about you than themselves? People cared about what God wanted and what you wanted more than themselves. And that's what we looked about that last week, just that whole idea of picking up our cross, denying ourselves, following Jesus. 
And, and again, through the book of Philippians, we have this, as Apostle Paul is revealing this truth of really simple stuff, the best way to follow Jesus is to have the attitude of Jesus and the actions of Jesus. Another way to put that, if I were going to alliterate it here, um, I would say to have the mindset of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. Because that's what he had. And that's a way that we can live that's awesome. And so that attitude or that mindset of Jesus to regard people as a higher rank than yourself. A people as higher rank than yourself. More significant than you. Even when they're not. The idea of, of reaching out and saying, you know what? I know I'm probably smarter than you. I know I'm probably got more with it than you. But the truth is, I'm going to lift you up and treat you as a higher rank than myself. That's that mindset. And you, we, we think it's hard to do. Imagine being the son of God. Looking to the thief on the cross, the criminal, the one that is actually there, dying for sins that he legitimately committed, of, 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 of raping and pillaging, and, and you name it. I mean, it's not just he's just he stole a loaf of bread and that's why he's on the cross. This guy was bad. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. He lifted him up above his own self. And he was the son of God. And then that leads to those actions where we humble ourselves and serve others as a slave as a doulos as what jesus did who came as a servant and served you and me now i want to keep going in this theological aspect and 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 as we look at this idea of being stuck in the moment i think one of the easiest ways to understand that is just i am going to look i'm going to tell you a little story of what it was like growing up with an older brother my i love my older brother Adrienne knows my older brother. My my parents were good friends with her parents, and so they kind of grew up, and they have the pictures of the little toddlers together. It's really funny. But um, my brother was kind of a jerk to me. Anybody else out there? I mean, but I was, hey, in my own self, or... Let's see, if I'm going to be honest, I was also a jerk to him, okay? So, but he was my older brother, and he took that role very happily of teasing me mercilessly and, and doing, like, older brother things, of getting me dead arms and dead legs and wrestling me all the time. And I mean, if you guys have boys, you just know how it is. They fight constantly. That's what we did. But the thing that really got me one time, um, well, he did it a couple of times, is he, he would hold me down, you know, he put his knees on my arms, and he'd hold me down, I couldn't move, because he was a lot bigger than me, he still is, um, and, and he would hold me down, and then he would proceed to, to spit, and some of you know where I'm going, he'd spit, and he was right over my head, here's my head, and he would spit a loogie, I'm sorry for getting gross, but this is just the truth, okay, he'd spit, and, and it would get really close to my head, and he'd suck it back up. Anybody else out there? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You got brothers, okay. Or maybe you were an older brother and you did it. It's disgusting, right? Oh my gosh, I hated that. I hated it. That's why I chased him with an ice pick once and broke his pinky. But, the, the, the boy, hey, boys will be boys, right? Um, <laughs> but the truth, I just remember being in that moment and, and just feeling so helpless. Just, you know, just weak. Like, I can't do anything. And that's what we're looking at today. We, we want to look at that moment that can kind of stick us where we feel like life is like my older brother sometimes just holding you down. And not just holding you down but in your weakness, but just, I mean, socking it to you. And it's just like, man, are you kidding me? If, as if it couldn't get any worse. Now you're spitting down, you know. That's the way it is. 
And many of us have been in that spot. And it looks a little different. Maybe it's not the bigger, older brother. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's the crowd, the job, the relational issues. I mean, there's a lot of things that can hold us down, squirming under the weight of those family struggles, those family issues, stuck, not being able to move, not being able to move on. And so what I want to look at today as we open our, 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 our scripture here, we open the Word of God to Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, I really want to look at this whole idea of strength, real strength, not our own strength. So the take-home truth today that I want to point you to is real strength begins with thankfulness and is found in being filled by Christ. So if you could stand with me, we're going to go ahead and read Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, where the Apostle Paul truly deals with this idea of weakness and being filled with Christ. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. So watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have a reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. And so, somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Okay, you may be seated. Great passage here. And I want to just take this time to really break it down in a simple way so that we really get this and what God is saying to you and me because the Philippians in that day were struggling with a lot of things that we struggle with today. They just were. They lived in a time that was tough financially. They lived in a time that was very, very difficult just to be a Christian, to to follow Jesus, to say, I want to put others first. It was a very difficult thing. And Paul is giving them some simple things that we need to remember. So the first notes I would say to take here is is real strength begins with thankfulness. Real strength begins with thankfulness. I love what he says. He says further, the idea of that in the Greek is to sum up. So what we were talking about before, having the mindset and the ministry of Jesus, having the, the attitude of Jesus and the actions of Jesus. Therefore, when you have that, if you make those things a priority in your life, you put Jesus first, rejoice. Rejoice. See, rejoicing is something that we don't really get today. This is a command. Paul literally writes it in a command form because he wants us to truly understand this. Because isn't it easier to grumble? 
Isn't it easier to complain? Isn't it easier to be critical? Isn't it easier to be grumpy? It just is. Especially when we look around. Especially when we deal with the problems and the people of this world. Let me give you something that's very simple. Again, if you're taking notes, it's, it's not something that's underlined or anything, but I, I just love this concept. Rejoicing is learning to accept all things, all things, as if they're from the hand of God, our Father. Learning to live our life actually believing we have all that we need in Jesus. That, that Wait a minute, are you saying me waking up with a cold today... God gave me? Well, He allowed it. It was filtered through His hands. You mean the sicknesses I'm dealing with? Well, God allowed it. If we truly believe that God is in control, that God is in charge, then He's allowed these things. Why? Well, I don't know. But God knows. And God's in charge. And He's actually going to do something through that. You mean when my family did this, or my job did that, or the traffic that I'm sitting in every day that drives me absolutely nuts? Yes, God's allowed it. It's filtered through His hands. And real maturity, real strength comes from knowing that it's all filtered through Him. And we're able to be thankful. And that's hard. See, immaturity wants to change my day. I want to pray to God, God, just do all these things for me. And instead, maturity and strength in the Lord means, no, God, help me to see what you're doing through these things that are going to change me. I love what Paul does here. As a, as a, a, a scholar in the Old Testament, he knows, and if you can write this down, Nehemiah 8.10, it's a great passage. It says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Literally, thankfulness is what will be our strength. Knowing that God's in charge. And Nehemiah, I mean, these guys were dealing with it. They had enemies from all sides who were pushing in, trying to just take the little bit that Nehemiah had started up in trying to get Israel back going again. With all these exiles and all the suffering. I mean, you want to weigh your sufferings next to them? They'll win every time. I'm not trying to minimize what you've got, but you talk about people who've suffered. I mean, look at Paul here. He's in prison, knowing he's going to die chained to a guard. And yet he comes back to the simple aspect of rejoice. Be thankful. This is such a profound truth, but nothing brings strength like thankfulness. If you don't hear anything else today, this week, just hear that. Thankfulness. The beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord, knowing that He's in control. And having that thankfulness, that joy in Him, that's our strength. Paul glories in his weakness. And one of these things, my, first, my, my favorite book is 2 Corinthians. Because Paul is so real. I mean, he, he gives a list of the things that he had to go through. I mean, dying, getting stoned by giant rocks and getting beaten with rods. I mean, you name it. What he had to go through was nuts. And he comes to a point where he says, you know, I'm thankful for my weaknesses. Because that's where God is strong. That's where God is strong. Real strength begins with thankfulness. Now secondly, real strength comes when we stop having a trivial focus. If it, if it comes 
from thankfulness, it also comes from not having a trivial focus. Now, what do I mean by a, a trivial focus? Well, first of all, let, let Scripture define Scripture here. Watch out for those dogs, he says. And if we really understand the Greek, what he's saying is watch out three times. He says, watch out for those dogs, watch out for those evildoers, and watch out for those mutilators of the flesh. He says it for emphasis. And he actually goes on later to uh, answer it three times in the Lord. But, but what he's talking about here, all of these things are trivial focus things. They're external based things. They're not internal, they're external. It's like when Jesus approached the Pharisees and said, Hey, you guys really good at cleaning the outside of the cup, but the inside looks like junk. It's like you avoid stepping on the, the, the graves, but the inside of your life is like an open grave. And that's what Paul is saying here. When he says, watch out for those dogs. I mean, I have a golden retriever. I love golden retrievers. Great dog. And I love dogs. That's not the dogs he's talking about here. You ever been to a third world country? People don't really have dogs in third world countries. There's a lot of dogs, but they're wild dogs. And they're really scrawny and gross. They're almost like, I mean, our coyotes look beautiful compared to these dogs. And they live on trash heaps. They live next to the sewer. And, and it's just gross. Watch out for the evildoers. Basically, people who work their will, not God's will. See, he's just pointing it to these external things that people could understand in that day. Watch out for those mutilators. This is an interesting word he uses here. It's this idea of, of, of a castrator, but it's more of a, of a mutilator. In fact, if you look at the, the Greek... Paratome is the actual word for this idea of circumcision in the Greece, Greek, but he says katatome, which is completely different, and yet people would have gotten this when they heard it, because literally what it means is to cut off. Paratome is to cut around, like a good circumcision. I don't need to go too much into detail, but some of you guys are squirming when I say katatome, completely cut off. He uses this on purpose, because the dogs are outside, cut off. Evildoers were always on the outside, cut off. And he says, and then they completely are cut off. See, the truth is, when we try to stand in our own strength, we're cut off from the grace of God. That's why we want to have an internal focus, not a trivial focus. So Paul warns them. In verse 3, He reminds us, he says, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, and we who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. He answers these three aspects. But he answers it in our weakness. He doesn't say, we we study more scripture. We go to church more. You notice that? We walk a ton of old ladies across the street. Oh boy. No, he doesn't do that. We we give a ton of money to, to, to missions. No. He answers it by these weakness things. He says, we're circumcision of the heart. That's God's grace on the inside. See, it's, it's not this outward thing of sin management of, oh, oh I got to be good here. I got to not do that there. I gotta. No, it's grace. We who serve by God, by God's spirit, the actions of Christ through us, and we who boast in Christ Jesus, all the credit goes to God, not, not me. Not you. His strength, not ours. And and if I were to just beat this even more, I just want to get this point into this because I think it's so important what Paul goes on to say here. The the truth of a trivial, a trivial uh, um, 
focus here is simple. It will always be, there will always be someone better than you. There's always going to be someone better than you. See, Paul gives his outward credentials. And, and can I just say, first of all, I, I'm a pastor. You know that. And, and I feel like I have a pretty good, solid foundation in the Lord. I spend my quiet time. I, I get into the scripture. I worship. I do this devotion things. You know, I, I feel like, you know what, I'm, could I be better? Absolutely. Could I give more time to the Lord? Absolutely. But I feel like, oh yeah, man, this is, I'm doing, you know, I love worshiping the Lord. But then I get with other people sometimes. Now, I, I speak from myself because I'm sure you're not like me at all. Um, but but I, I get with, oh yeah, I was memorizing this actual book of the Bible completely. And I just look at them and go, man, I stink. Why don't I have a whole book of the Bible memorized? Do, do you see where I'm going with this? Have you ever sat there with somebody and gone, man, my family doesn't look as good? Or, or oh, yeah, I... I didn't, I didn't pray like yesterday. Oh man, I went to church, but I didn't really go. I mean, I kind of skipped. And I, You know what I mean? There's always something. There's always going to be someone who's better, who has more scripture memorized, who goes to church more, who gives more money. And, and Paul really just emphasizes this. He's like, you guys want to play games? Let's play games. You want to look at the outside? Let's look at the outside. Look at me. He says, I'm circumcised on the eighth day. See, he was born to the right parents he didn't choose that how are you doing so far born to the right parents of the people of Israel of the right people group of the tribe of Benjamin of the right pedigree not just the right people group but the right pedigree the really right people the one that God is really supposed to to bless because of the 12 tribes there's really only two that can trace their lineage back and one of them is Benjamin and that's the serious one a Hebrew of Hebrews, of the right prose. He's literally saying, I speak the real Hebrew language. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. See, of the right profession. No one was considered more devout. No one was considered more holy than the Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. And the last one is simple, of the right passion. He had the passion. He had the parents. He had the people. He had the pedigree. He had the pros. He had the profession. He had the right passion. I know it's a lot of peas, but it makes sense when you're looking at this outside aspect. You really wanted to prove how godly you were? Then persecute those new Christians. He killed people for his passion. And lastly, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Faultless, of the right legal purity. Of all the 613 commands, got them. You want me to recite them backwards? I can do that. You want me to recite the Mishnah to you? I can do that. Do you want me to recite the Torah, the minor prophets, the major prophets, the Psalms, the Proverbs? Not at all. Paul was showing the problem with that outward focus, with the trivial focus. There's always going to be someone better. And it will sap your strength and your peace. You will never go to church enough. You will never memorize enough scripture. You will never help enough homeless. You will never lead enough kids to Jesus or go to the best church. We have to remember 
that real strength doesn't come from what I do, but it comes from what Jesus has already done. It never comes from what we do. It comes from what Jesus has already done. Can we also say the fact that you're never going to have a big enough house? I don't mean to step on toes here. You're never going to be perfect in your job. Your kids are never going to be the best kids ever. You're never truly going to keep up with the Joneses. We used to have a saying where I used to live because we never had sewer, we had septic. You ever heard of that saying, grass is always greener on the other side? I used to say the grass is greener on the other side because that's where they put the septic tank. Because no matter how far you dig, you're going to find it and it's there and it's going to smell. There's always going to be someone better. There's always going to be someone smarter. There's always going to be someone younger. There's always going to be someone more pretty, more handsome. I mean, you name it. And thank the Lord it's not based on what we do. You can't be good enough. So don't follow these dogs and these people and these things that say you need to be better and have these trivial focus when you can have an eternal, eternal perspective, an eternal focus. The true focus. And that's where I want to point you to. Real strength comes from when we have a true focus. See, he goes on to say, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I love this. All you accountants out there are people who love to deal with those managerial things. There's so many of you, yes? Tax season, you're like, yay! <laughs> no? Okay. Um, but he's using this terminology here. It's an accounting term. He takes all the things that he once, that once looked so good, everything, and he puts them in the loss section. What used to be in the profit section and used to be something he could be proud of is now in the loss section. But nothing gives us a true focus like seeing how much we need Jesus. See, when Jesus met Paul on the road to Damascus, he was struck blind and was completely helpless in front of Christ. Then he went through a long time of spiritual barrenness and was taken to Arabia. Paul talks about this in the book of Galatians. And in several years, he had, he had to unlearn his whole life of being all about how good he was and what he could bring. And, and, and he was wasted. I mean, he was laid waste. A whole new way of thinking. And then after that time, he went back to Damascus to really do something awesome for God. And if you guys know that story, it's in the book of Acts. It's, it's awesome. He, he literally goes in like, like I'm going to do this. And he gets into this town and, and people rise up. They literally rise up. And, they, and, 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 and he has to be lowered down in a basket on the outside wall. And in that basket was the poop, the crap. Because that's how they lowered down their excrement. And so here's Paul, the Pharisee of Pharisees, the best of the best, being lowered down in a poop bucket, a failure. How many times have we come to the end of the day and we have found that those people that we invested in, <laughs> we put all our time and energy in, have become a loss? Or the career that we moved heaven and earth to get. We saw it as such a profit, but eventually it just became a loss. See, God allowed Paul to see that everything that he could bring to the table was a loss compared to knowing Christ Jesus. Everything. And what's amazing, by the way, 
is, is he goes on to say, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus for my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. This is in the present tense. He's not just saying, oh, by the way, my, all my old stuff that I used to do. No, he's saying even anything I can bring now. I mean, well, I'm like, Paul, shut up. This isn't going to sell Bibles. You're the apostle of apostle. I mean, you're the guy. You wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Every theologian wants to meet you. You're the man. And he says, oh no, even right now, everything I'm doing, it's all a loss compared to knowing Jesus. Compared to knowing Jesus. Nothing is more true than seeing Jesus above everything else. That's why Paul emphasizes Christ Jesus. He does this sometimes, and I love it, because we just read Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, and we go, hey, that's cool. No, Christ means king. He puts King Jesus at the emphasis. Who's in charge? Where's my focus? Is it true? Is it King Chris today, or is it King Jesus? To Paul, it's all about King Jesus. Then he goes on to say, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. The word here for garbage is the same word for what they used to call excrement when they put it in a pot. You guys ever been to a third world country where they don't have running water inside? I mean, that was the way it was for thousands of years. So they would just go in these pots, if they had them, buckets or whatever you want to call them, and then they would throw them out into the street or put them in a bucket and lower them on the side of the wall. They didn't reuse any of it. Let me emphasize that. It was poop in a bucket that they threw out. It wasn't like, oh, let's save some of that, honey. No. And Paul literally says, you know the stuff you throw out? That's everything compared to Jesus. Wow. Nothing saved. Nothing reused. Real Christian strength is never about what you can do for Jesus. But what can Jesus do through you? I think the easiest way to understand this is we like to come to Jesus and say, okay, what can I now do for you? What can I pour out? What can you... And Jesus says, no. What can I do for you? What can I do through you? What can I put in you? Because if we're honest, the truth is, This is what we come to God with. And no, if you're wondering, it's not poop. I was tempted. Because I like to be real as much as possible. But that's the truth. And then we go, God, but let me me do this for you. Let me do that for you. You want to drink it? You you, you want some of that? Because Paul says, "Mm -mm. no, thank you. It's no good. And what God wants to do is say, where are you empty? Where do you need me to fill you up and give you the strength so that you can be unstuck and be free? Where in your family? Where in your life? Where in your finances? Where in your relationships? Where can I fill you up? Where do you lack? Where do you lack? Where do you need to be filled? See, real strength brings eternal treasure into our life. This is what I love. Again, one of these days, we're going to go through the book of 2 Corinthians, and we'll take about two and a half years to do it. It's going to be awesome. Just bear with us. We'll get there. But, but when we get there, it's going to be great, because Paul uses this great analogy of, of being jars of clay. Jars were the modern-day McDonald's bag, which got through the drive through 
Nobody saved the jars. This was the paper bag. This is the plastic bag that you get at Stater Brothers that is floating around all over and they're trying to ban and they can't ban yet and all those other things. This is the, I mean, no one saves those and goes, oh goody, my jar, my plastic bag. And Paul says, that's what we are. And Jesus just pours into us the treasure that is the real treasure. See, real strength brings eternal treasure into our life. Four treasures I want to point you to, and they all end in ing, so it's easier to memorize, all right? The first treasure he wants to pour into us is including. It's just simple. It's including. That's why he says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I used to ask kids all the time, and I've got one of my junior high, high schoolers here. She's an adult now, and she's here. I'm going to... I'm not going to point her out, but she can't. And I used to ask them all the time, what, what is eternal life? Because Jesus only says it once. And it's in the scripture. A lot of people, oh, to have this or to do that. or it, It's to know God. And Paul brings it back to that simple aspect, to know. I don't want to creep you out, but that word for know is the same that Adam knew his wife and they had kids. It's that intimate. It's the idea of truly being intimate with God, having the purpose, having the plan, knowing in relationship. It's the knowing God fully. To truly be filled with the life of Christ in your life is knowing that you are loved and never forsaken. Never forsaken. God includes us fully into his family through Jesus. This is why Paul, in this book, says it over 17 times. You are in Christ. Not of Christ. Not around Christ. You are in Christ Jesus. He even goes as far to say, as you know the lamb and the cutting of the skin off and everything, Jesus, in the book of Ephesians, says we wear him like a garment. He's literally the sacrifice that covers us. We are inside him. For all of you Star Wars geeks out of there, just think of Luke cutting open the tauntaun and getting inside. Yes, I went there. Because the truth is we are in Christ and He is saved from the environment. He is saved from the truth of all the things going on because He's inside. We are in Christ. And nobody can snatch us out. Nobody. We are included. I used to, I used to want to be popular when I was in school. Anybody else? And then I, quote-unquote, got popularity by the end of my high school year. I still felt, I still felt excluded. Even though I was all at the places I was supposed to be at, and I was in the cool spot. You're never going to be completely included like you will be with Jesus Christ. Second treasure, indwelling. So it's not just to know Christ, it's also to know the power of His resurrection. That God will give you the power to deal with your family. That God will give you the power to deal with your health issues. That God will give you the power to deal with your job, job struggles or your, to handle any problem or person that comes your way. See, when we come to God and say, Man, you know what God, today I've got nothing. He's like, that's it. Now I'm ready to work with you. The Quakers used to have this great thing where they would take their hands and they would go like this. And when they would pray, they would let go. So what are you holding on to? Let go of it. Now turn your hands over and receive everything from the Lord that only He can give you. It's that indwelling. 
See, when we empty ourselves of all that we're clinging to, God can fill us up with more of himself, which will make every difference. It's not me plus God does something. It's God, everything. That is what it truly means to die to yourself. To have the indwelling, the power of his resurrection. Third, influencing and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. This is, this is one of those cryptic things that we look at today and we go, oh, it's so mysterious. But really what he's talking about is a simple aspect that they would have gotten because they saw crucifixions every day. Basically what he's saying is God has a way of taking all the things that drain us and turning them, turning them around to declare him. Jesus showed that on the cross. That's what he's illuminating. I mean, nothing drains more than a public execution. Nothing drains more than the cross. I mean, when Jesus was crucified, there wasn't a single person standing there going, All right! They thought it was over. They thought it was done. Three days. He was in that tomb. You talk about draining all the the, the disciples. They went back to work. They went back fishing. They're going, I guess we'll go back. And the two guys that walked from Emmaus are walking to Emmaus on the road that they were talking, Clopas, and they were walking and Jesus shows up after he'd risen. He's like, what's going on? And he said, they were downtrodden. They were depressed because their, who they thought was the Messiah had been murdered on the cross. God used that cross to declare God's love. I want to I want to push you here. What are those things in your life where you're empty? You're really empty. Oh God, you can't want to use that to influence others. Oh yes, because nothing says God's glory more than when you've got nothing to give and he supplies it all. If you want to influence and be the influence to see the participation in his sufferings, give him your weakness, give him your emptiness, and he will declare himself through you. Lastly, inheriting. And so, somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. See, the, the, the best... I, I, I don't like this word attaining, because today we look at attaining like, oh, it's something we're going to eventually... We work really hard and then we get it. Right? One day I will attain that car because I've been saving. But, but the truth is, if you look at this word, it's more, it means to arrive. It just means you, you finally get there, but it's not because you've really worked hard. It's because you inherited it. And nothing says that like one day, you know, someone knocks on your door and says, Hey, did you know you had a great uncle and he just left you this? And you're like, what? <laughs> you didn't do anything to get it. And that's the, that's the true word that Paul's using here. It's like, I'm just this empty jar. I've opened the door to Jesus and He gives me everything. Even eternity with my Father. I'm just a vessel of Jesus that will one day inherit all of Jesus. So I'm going to reveal Him now when I'm poured out. As we get the worship team to come on up here, I'd... 
love for you to just take some time right now to do business with God. If you want to keep looking at this, I think this is the best way. Some of you have to say, okay, God, I've been trying to take what I've got and, and, and use that in my work or, or take what I've got and use that in my family or take what I've got and use that in my relationships. But the reality is we need to come before God and I want you to get that just empty. And as Jesus said, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. And as Paul said in the book of 2 Corinthians, in his strength is made perfect in my weakness, in my lack, in my nothing. What does God need to fill up in you? Where does God need to fill up in you? I want to give you that time right now. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's Let's look to our Savior Jesus who did all things, became our suffering servant on a cross to do what we could not do, to fill us up now, to live the life today that He has for you. we just want to take this time right now Lord some of us might need to just put our our hands out right now and sometimes you, you made the imagination and sometimes our imagination gets the best of us and we fear we become afraid because we start thinking about this or thinking about that or our future here or, or our lack there and, we, and, and, and the weakness really starts to hit us. And, but God, the, the truth is you've given us this imagination so we can hold out our hands and say and think of what we have that's, that's just affecting us today, the problems that we have today, the people that are tough today. That we, put it, we put it, we see it in our hands right now and we just say, Lord Jesus, help me to let go of it. Help me to stop grasping onto this. And I just want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you as brothers and sisters in the Lord, as a, as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ, to take what you have right now that is just affecting you, that is infecting you, these things that you have thought have been a part of your profit, and you just empty them right now. Turn them over. Let go. And then put your hands out and just say, Fill me up, Jesus. I need you. I need you in my family. I need you in my work. I need you in my life. That's as simple as it is. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you came to us and you were emptied. You lived a life serving not just not just the father but the leper the prostitute the liar the hostile the zealot Lord you you served us and even today you continue to serve us so Lord I just ask right now in our in our lack in our emptiness, in our weakness. 
you would fill us up. And people wouldn't see us trying to scramble anymore or do it on our own power. But truly living by your Spirit. Father, as we bring the ushers on forward, one area that we are able to just give up in our life is in our finances. One of those areas that I know I struggle with is trusting you. And so Lord, we, as your people, we members here at this church, we just ask that they would trust you with their finances. But more than that, Lord, as we give, as we look at this plate going by, we wouldn't just think of giving our money. That's the first and simplest aspect. The second aspect is, oh, do I give my family to you, Lord Jesus? Because I've got ideas of what it should be and right now it's not and I have to do this and I have to do that and i got to struggle here and i got to run there and no, we need to give that to you and maybe it's our job, maybe it's our health. There's so many things, Lord, that can weigh us down. So Heavenly Father, we come before you not as people that have so much strength but as real Christians who say, Papa, help us. Jesus, come. Fill us. Direct us.